What is up, my brothers and sisters, my agents of respect? It's your boy, Trey Johnson, back with another episode of the No Disrespect But Podcast. Where we can start it, make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Always feel free to leave a comment. Just make sure you keep those comments respectful. So, and also, if you want to support your favorite podcast, support your boy, uh, there'll be information on how to do that in the episode description. So, appreciate everybody that supports. You can do so. For as little as 99 cents a month. So appreciate everybody that supports uh, the show and all my agents of respect. And man, coming to y'all on Thursday because your boy is going to be on vacation for the next two weeks. Real vacation. Uh, taking a cruise. So really excited about that. But had to talk to y'all before one of my favorite weekends in college football. And that is championship weekend. You know, not everybody's team gets a chance to to play for this. I mean, there's been years that my favorite team, Alabama Christian Tide, and if you didn't know, I'm rocking with them. And guess what? This is my first ever apparel for the Crimson Tide. So this little hoodie means a lot to me, man. And so one of my favorite times of the year, usually because it has championship implications. A lot of times, like, I really got hooked on this, not just because Bama was in a SEC championship, but – Sometimes, especially in the BCS era, had to look at other teams to see, hey, if they lose, if some of the favorites lose, that might help Bama get a shot in the national championship. So, um, ironically, in the college football playoff era, era, we're looking at that being a possibility now. Well, yeah, Alabama has a control, but they can control, but they may need some help. I'm not one of those people that believes that I believe they win, they're in, but who knows what can happen. Uh, with Oregon and Texas already being in front of them, what happens with an Ohio State, even though I think they get skipped by any of the conference champions. So not really worried about that. Happens with an F what happens if all the favorites win? What if FSU wins? Or I guess Washington is technically another dog. What if Washington wins? What if Michigan wins? What if UGA wins? Well, I guess if that happens, we don't have to worry about anything. Everything will stay the same. So really exciting weekend. Um, Want to talk about the Power Five Conference Championships, but there is a Group of Five Conference Championship that I want to make sure I mention. Um, that includes the the two-lane green wave, roll wave. So really excited for what they have the possibility to do and, and what I hope for them. So without further ado, man, let's jump into this. And so we're going to talk about six bowls, and I want to start with Oregon versus Washington, which is going to be taking place tomorrow night, actually, in the Pac-12 Championship. The end of the Pac-12, as we know it, as we know, a lot of teams that includes Oregon and Washington are going to be playing in the Big Ten next season. And so really, really, really good chance to not only have a conference championship, right, uh, a good chance to be in the college football playoff and to have the bragging rights of being the last ever Pac-12 champion as we know it to be. And of the matchups that I'm going to be talking about, and I think of the weekend, I think this is the only conference championship that is a rematch from a game that took place earlier in the year. And if you guys love football like I love football, I had a chance to watch the highlights from this game when they played early in the season where uh, UW actually squeaked out a win by three points. Man, it was electric. Uh, a lot of people say that this was the loudest game that they had been to all season. And I would say just watching on my TV screen, 
I can I have to agree with them. I mean, I was hearing the crowd um in Seattle go crazy, man. And Oregon still held their own. I mean, one could argue Oregon should have won that game. They had a few um type of blunt a few blunders kind of on fourth downs and in the red zone and things of that nature. And I believe there was an instance where they should have kicked the field goal, but they tried to go for it before the half and didn't get it. So one could argue Oregon could have and should have won this game. And guess what? The odds makers are saying it too, because they have Oregon favored by nine points, which to me is crazy. I mean, granted, one could say, yes, Oregon should have won that game earlier in the season, but you dub, I mean, they haven't been playing, you know, lights out football, but even though, you know, they won an eight game or eight, their past eight games, I believe, have been won by 10 points or less. And so everybody's like, oh, they're not blowing teams out the way Oregon's blowing teams out. And I'm like, yeah. But what's funny is a lot of times the teams that Oregon blew out, you dub kind of, you know, went blow to blow with. Well, I argue that the Huskies did all the work for Oregon. The Huskies took the best punch from some of these teams. And after they were all punched out, Oregon got to, you know, run the score up on them. So, look, I don't know. I think a lot of people are sleeping up on uh, sleeping on Michael Penning's Jr. in that offense and even some of those playmakers on defense. And, look, I know what happens well, or what comes with the territory when you have a uh, Heisman hopeful and Bo Nix favorite to some, not to me. That's Jaden Daniels' territory. But you're coming with a quarterback that's been playing lights out as well, uh, a running game that's been playing lights out, a defense that has been playing lights out. And we've seen Michael Penning's Jr., have some issues throughout the season where if defenses can get to him, get him off his spot, make him kind of, you know, throw some inaccurate throws, you could you could get the better of uh, Washington. And I would argue that, you know, maybe some of the teams that couldn't pull it out, maybe it was a lack of talent why they couldn't pull it out. And so if Oregon is going to be granted a, a, a good bit of these opportunities, right, where they can take advantage of mistakes by Michael Penix Jr., whether it be turnovers or accurate throws and having punt, who knows what can happen. So really excited for this matchup. Glad it's starting tomorrow night. I'm going to try to, you know, watch it in between packing. If the doctor misses, you know, gives me a break. I did some work today. So, you know, try to get a head start. So hopefully I have a little free time and I can watch this game because if you guys have a chance to, you're going to enjoy it. There's so much on the line, not just the conference championship, but I I believe at least if Washington wins, they're definitely in. And if Oregon wins, and Oregon wins big the way odds makers are expecting them to, they could very well book their ticket in the college football playoff for the first time since 2014, I believe, was the last time they were in it. So maybe they can make history again. But Prediction-wise, I'm going to go with U-Dub on this one. I've been going back and forth. Um, maybe because I watched that game, and I was like, man, Oregon left a lot of plays out there. And maybe they're thinking too much about what they didn't do or what they could have done and not the things they did do well um, and having a chance to win that game. And maybe they press a little bit. Maybe Bo Nix. You know, that pass rushing Washington gets to him a little bit, gets him off his spot, forces some inaccurate throws, forces some turnovers maybe. Um, and I think Michael Penix plays a relatively clean game. I think they, um, oddly enough, 
uh, have a little bit of reliance on their run game a little bit this game, just because they will want to keep Oregon off of the field um, somewhat. And so prediction-wise, I got UW 39, I got Oregon 33. So I got Washington being your Pac-12 champion, your last ever Pac-12 champion as we know it, and booking their ticket to the college football playoff. So second game I want to talk about, Texas Longhorns uh, versus Oklahoma State. Yeah, I'm a little salty, so leave me alone. Um, And, again, much like the Pac-12 the Big 12 is changing, man. We got we got Oklahoma and UT voting for um, the SEC next year. And, you know, there's going to be some changes in the Big 12. And so much like the Pac-12 championship, I personally was rooting for it to be similar in that Texas and Oklahoma going against each other, being another rematch, uh, mainly because I truly need Texas to lose. I mean, some of the narratives are saying, you know, if, you know, there's a few upsets in the big four and then there you have to make a decision between Texas and Alabama. Some are saying that Texas is going to get the nod because they head to head. But I'm like, look, the lot has changed since September, but I digress. Either way, um, I was pulling for BYU to beat Oklahoma State last week. They almost did. They had a big lead. But Oklahoma State, they persevered. They fought back. Um, and they were able to book their ticket to the Big 12 championship. And look, Oklahoma State has a lot of pride now. I mean, most don't know, but they won Bedlam this year versus Oklahoma, which was the last one ever, at least until this point. And partly because, guess what? Oklahoma State is one of those teams that's still staying in the Big 12. And so they have a chance. And and guess what? Oklahoma and Texas, for that matter, they've been getting every Big 12 team's best punch because these teams want to stick it to Texas, want to to stick it to Oklahoma and say, hey, we don't need you. Take this L on your way to the SEC. No, we don't want you representing our conference in the college football playoffs, whatever it may be. And so you best believe Mike Gundy is going to have them boys ready. Um, He lost a lot of guys in the portal in the offseason. People were expecting them to win four or five games. And look, here they are in a chance to win the Big 12 to stick it to Texas, who's voting for the SEC, and have a lot of momentum going into the new year as one of the staple organizations and universities in the Big 12. So, you know, they they have a good team. Oklahoma State does. Uh, Alex Bowman's been having a pretty good six games, but also has had a few turnovers. Um, but they are led by their running back. They have one of the best running backs in the nation, um, Ollie Gordon III, uh, 1,500 yards, 20 touchdowns. And so um, we know they're going to try to run the ball against Texas, which is going to be a hard test. Texas has the fifth-ranked rush defense. so And they got some big boys in the middle. Trust me, I know. They dominated us. And so – um, it's going to be a little difficult for Oklahoma State, but you know what Oklahoma State is going to want to do. I think Alex Bowman is going to have to make some throws in this game if they are uh, to win this game. But guess what, UT, guess what? Um, I think they're coming with it too. I think they have some pride about themselves. They want to win their first Big 12 championship since Colt McCoy was the quarterback. You know how long ago that was? That was 14 years the last time they won a Big 12 title. And so they want to be t- yelling to the, you know, to the stratosphere that, hey, Texas is back, baby. And what better way to prove that you're back, right, than by winning the Big 12 championship on your way to the SEC. So I tell you, 
those guys in the burnt orange, they want this game. Sark wants this game more than anything. And look, granted, if they win, they have a chance to make a case to get into the college football playoff, right? But I think right now, I will say Sark, solely his goal is I want to win the Big 12 championship, and I will let everything else play itself out. And prediction-wise, look, I know what Oklahoma State's going to want to do. They're going to want to run the ball. They're going to want to try to keep Texas's offense off the field. And I just don't know if they can do enough of that. I think Alex Bowman is going to have to throw. I think that Texas front is going to get after him, and I think it's going to force a few turnovers. And I think while Sark does want to run the ball, I think he loves explosive plays, and I think there are going to be about two or three explosive plays that really put this game away. Um, I do have a close finish, so I will give you my prediction. I do have UT 31, Oklahoma State 27. Um, but the way I'm kind of seeing this game go, I'm seeing UT kind of get out in front. They, they've been prone to do that a lot this season. Get out front, you know, throw a few haymakers, and then slowly allow their opponent to get back. And so I think it's going to be probably a game through three quarters. You're like, oh, yawn. Texas has had their fill of big plays, and they're going to run away with this game. And then I think you're going to see Oklahoma State make some plays late, make it look pretty on the box score. But if you had actually watched the game, you would know that Texas pretty much dominated from start to finish. And so I got UT winning the Big 12 championship on their way out to the SEC. I would love for Oklahoma State to pull the upset. I do have Oklahoma State covering at least because they're underdogs by 14. So I think, you know, they're going to stay under that spread. But I don't know. It's hard for me to pick that team. I mean, they got their ass kicked by South Alabama, I believe it was, at home, like 43-7 to or something like that. So it's going to be hard for me to pick this team to beat Texas. That's kind of why I went Oklahoma in. I felt like Oklahoma would have beat the crap out of Texas. But it is what it is. Third game. Really looking forward to. We're going to kind of break out of the power five for a little bit. Is uh, SMU, Southern Methodist University, for those that aren't familiar, um, out in Dallas versus Tulane. And Tulane has a chance to go back to back as the uh, American Athletic Conference champions. And so I know uh, what that program has been through, the way they've been able to build themselves, led by Coach uh, Willie Fritz, led by quarterback Michael Pratt. So guess what? They know what they're playing for. Uh, they have a chance to get a New Year's Six Bowl. I'm hoping they play in the Cotton Bowl versus LSU because the state of Louisiana needs that game. I live near the Cotton Bowl. I'm going to go to that game if that matchup is to happen. I can guarantee you that. I don't know how I'm going to find the money, but I will find it, God damn it. Um, but Tulane's been a really good team. Only lost one game, and that game was against Ole Miss without their starting quarterback, Michael Pratt. And that was a game throughout. I don't care what the box score says or what the uh, final score says. That was a game for the most part. Tulane had a lead against a team that was the run that was the runner-up in the SEC West that took LSU to the limit, that took Bama to the limit, damn near. So Tulane's a really, really good team, well-coached team, well-disciplined team, um, Really good on the run. Uh, Hughes is is a, is, a, is a great running back. I, I think I got that right is, is their running back's last name. Really good running back. Um, so you know they're going to bring a little bit of balance to what they like to do. And SMU, SMU all my life, they've been 
kind of a running gun, potent offense. And I don't think much is going to change with that. I think this game is going to be one of those high scoring games. It's going to have you on the edge of your seat. It's going to be blow for blow. One team takes the lead. Another team comes back and takes the lead. And I think it'll be a relatively clean game. It's going to be what defense makes the play to win the game. And um, I know SMU, they're, they're going to be going to the ACC soon. So it's a big deal for them to come out as champions. They just signed their head coach to an extension, uh, Rhett Lashley. So they have a lot um, born on their season as well. And so they want to leave this conference with bragging rights, right? But I got the wave rolling. Um, it's, like I said, it's going to be a tight game. It's going to be a high-scoring game. It's going to be one that has you better have your popcorn ready. I think Tulane wins this game 45 to SMU's 41. And I think the folks in New Orleans and in the state of Louisiana are going to be real excited about that one. Uh, now back to you know some of the Power Five conferences. Let's go to the Big Ten, where Michigan will be facing Iowa. Look, I hate to be the person. I'm sorry. Iowa doesn't really stand a chance. They can't score enough, and they don't play defense well enough, in my opinion, to stick with a Michigan. It's like we get this every year, whether it's Iowa or whether it's Wisconsin. If they're facing Michigan or Ohio State, they're going to get their heads kicked in. I feel like it happens every single year, damn near. And look, Michigan, everybody knows what's going on with them. I feel like they cheated too, but guess what? They're still playing the games in front of them. They're still dominating their opponent. So you can call them cheaters all you want to. They're still not beating them. They're coming off a big win against the Ohio State University, their arch rival. And guess what? They are looking to make a third straight college football playoff with a chance to make the third time in the tournament. Because the last two they've been there, they got their ass kicked. At least last year, we kind of thought they would make it to the national championship because they had media darling TCU. I mean, you should beat TCU, right? Well, no, they got Molly Wap against TCU, who plays in a conference that doesn't even play defense. So that was beyond me. I did not expect that to happen. Then we saw TCU get ran through by Georgia. So uh, some would say George UGA versus the Ohio State University last year was really the national championship because Michigan nor TCU really came to play until they played each other and TCU wiped the floor at Michigan. And so I think there are a lot of upperclassmen on that team that say, hey, we want to get to a basketball playoff. Y'all been talking ill on our name. Y'all been talking ill on our coach. Y'all going to put some respect on our name. And guess what? Not only will we make third time the charm, we're going to dominate other big opponents the way we've been dominating everybody on our schedule and look i said iowa stands no chance but they will cover i believe they are currently underdogs by 22 or 23 points i think they are going to cover i think michigan is going to play with their food a little bit and then pull away later in the game with, you know, J.J. McCarthy at the quarterback position, Blake Corum um, and Donovan Edwards at the running back position. Uh, that defense, I mean, Iowa can't score against bad defenses. I don't think they're going to score against that Michigan front, that what they're working with. And so I'm just going to keep this short and sweet. I got Michigan winning 31 to 13. I can't trust Iowa to get to 20. I know, I know Michigan can get to 20 points easily. I don't trust Iowa enough. I hope they prove me wrong because I love chaos, right? That's why championship weekend is so fun. It breeds chaos. And so I would love nothing more than for Michigan to roll a big fucking egg 
and lose to the Iowa Hawkeyes, but I just don't see it. I have to be objective, people. I can only be biased with this team here. I can't be biased with everybody else just because I want Michigan to lose. If I, in my heart of hearts, I don't believe they will, and I think they will win big. Um, now, this matchup is really intriguing. Uh, Florida State versus Louisville. Everybody knows at this point, Florida State is without their guy, their quarterback, their QB1, Jordan Travis, leader of their team. What's going to happen? I mean, in the past couple games, you know, um, Rodemaker was able to come in for Jordan Travis, lead them back against the Northern, North Alabama. I know that sounds crazy, right? That they were down in the first place with Jordan Travis in the game, but Rodemaker was able um, behind the strength of Trey Benson, who we're going to talk about a little bit, bringing them back. And they were down against the University of Florida in the swamp. And they were able to march their way back and kind of put that game away late. And, you know, everybody's writing them off because Jordan Travis isn't there anymore. And they're not, you know, they're not as potent of an offense without Jordan Travis. And their defense has their moments and has their lapses, as we saw against Northern Alabama or North Alabama and the University of Florida. But, I mean, these guys are playing for each other. Everybody's written them off since Jordan Travis got hurt. And so they're like, hey, no, man, Florida State's back. We're back for championships. We are a team. We are a unit. And while we love Jordan Travis and while we would be much better with him than we are without him, guess what? We are still better than you. And that's what that's the mentality that Florida State is coming with with every single opponent that they see for the rest of the season. And so we saw that against University of Florida. They fought their asses off. They could have, they could have, when they were down, uh, I think 12 to nothing is, is what the initial score was. They could have packed it up and said, oh man, our best guy's not there. People don't understand. Nah, they fought their behinds back on the road and won that game. Rodemaker was able to make some key throws. People forget that. It wasn't just like they were running the ball down Florida's throat with Trey Benson. No, they had to rely on the quarterback to make some plays. And Rodemaker was able to make some plays. And in this game, that's all you need sometimes. Is your quarterback to make some plays, enough plays to win the game. And so can they do it again against Louisville, a Louisville team that's coming off a terrible loss to University of Kentucky, an upset loss where they had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter at home and blew it. They blew that lead. They couldn't really stop the run. They couldn't really stop the pass. Um, just anything Kentucky wanted late in that game, they were able to get. And so they're going against – some some dogs that have a point to prove. And so Louisville, are you ready to bounce back? Are you still feeling sorry for yourself? Or have you woken up and realized that, hey, this is what we have in front of us. We have a chance to be ACC champions. ACC champions, you have a chance. Um, that happened, I think, probably since Teddy. I don't know if, it, if Teddy was the ACC champion at that time. So it's been a while, um, if ever, if Louisville's ever been an ACC champ. And so they want that opportunity, seize that opportunity. Jack Plummer, senior quarterback, uh, Jawar Jordan at the running back position. Can you guys carry the load? I mean, I, I will say this. I think this game is going to come down to who takes care of the ball, who protects the ball more. Uh, we know that Louisville has a tendency to turn the ball over offensively. And so if they turn this ball over, I don't care who's at the quarterback position for Florida State. I think if you're giving them short fields, I think if you're giving them opportunities to make play after play after play and your offense can't keep up because you can't take care of the ball, there's no way Louisville is going 
to win this game. But I do think Louisville will take care of the ball. I do value their senior leadership. I do value what they bring to the table. And to be quite honest with you, I just don't think Florida State can beat this level of an opponent without Jordan Travis. I'm sorry. And maybe I'll be wrong. I know a lot of people over in, uh, in Tallahassee and Seminole Nation want me to be wrong. Because if I'm wrong, that means they win this game and they have booked their trip to this college football playoffs. I ain't trying to hear nothing else about what people are talking about that, oh, they can still not make it. BS. They have played everybody in front of them. That, they, that would mean they have bounced back from a tragedy, essentially losing their best player and still finding a way to stay undefeated. There's no way that they should be usurped by somebody. I'm just saying. Like I, don't, I just don't think that's going to happen. But I do believe that without Jordan Travis and this level of opponent, I think Louisville makes enough plays. It's going to be a very close game, I still feel, because there's a lot of pride um, for this. But I think Louisville wins this game by a touchdown, 31-24. to 24. Now, last but certainly not least, especially in my heart, SEC Championship. We got two-time defending national champions, University of Georgia Bulldogs, against my pride, the University of Alabama Crimson Tide. And there's a lot on the line here, man. Let's start with UGA. Um, I mean, obviously, I think if they lose, they're done. I think they're out. They lose, they're not making the college football playoff. I just don't see it. I don't see a pathway unless there's chaos that ensues in the other teams. I think if they lose, they're out. Let's start there. They have a winning streak on the line. They have won 29 straight games. Do you know how freaking hard that is to win 29 straight games? And they have a chance to tie Alabama's record of winning 30 straight games by beating Alabama in the NFC Championship and then have a chance to add to that in the college football playoff, which basically means they would have the record. A lot to play for for UGA. A chance to win back-to-back SEC championship. Oh, I lied. Win, uh, win back-to-back SEC championships. They might feel like they should be going on a three-peat for an SEC championship, but it is what it is. So they have a chance to win be back-to-back SEC champions. And they are a great team, man. A chance to three-peat. Losing what they lost offensively and defensively last year and still having a chance to be in this position, let's give credit where credit is due. They are... They are the best team in the nation. That's why they're ranked number one. That's why they've won 29 straight games. And they have some players, probably not some household names that you're used to. I know you know Brock Bowers, who, in my opinion, is the best player in the nation, not just at his position. I mean, a a tight end that runs freaking jet sweeps that can block his behind off is, is just as good of a run blocker as he is a pass catcher and a route runner. He is the best weapon. And when he goes to the NFL next year, I hope a a team knows how lucky they are to have him. And I hope they have a quarterback in place because that quarterback is going to love it. The way way Carson Beck is loving uh, the Brock Bowers experience. And keep in mind, Brock Bowers has been banged up this year. He hasn't played a lot of games, had a tightrope ankle surgery. Uh, Lad McConkie, one of their stud will see wide receivers. Missed a lot of time. Missed the first month of the season, if I'm not mistaken. And having those guys back relatively healthy 
they're going to be loaded. Carson Beck has been one of the best quarterbacks. I know we're talking about uh, the Michael Penixes and the Jaden Daniels and the Bill Nixes of the world, but Carson Beck has been there. Let's talk about how this isn't the UGA of old that's just been rolling through people. They have faced some diversity now. They've been down double digits in some games where you know you just can't rely on the run anymore, right? You have to th put the ball in the air, and Carson Beck has been able to do that early on in the season, and now you see that he has, has the confidence that he's the guy, that he's a stud. Uh, arguably might be one of the top quarterbacks taken in next year's draft. So really, really talented team we're talking about here. And guess what? Look, their opponent isn't isn't nothing to sneeze at. Now I know everybody wants to talk about the loss to the University of Texas, but since that game and since the experimental game against uh, University of Southern Florida, I would argue that there has been no better team in college football than Alabama. Let's talk about the ranked wins that they have, and not just ranked wins. They're not just scooting by. They're winning these games by double digits. Ole Miss, LSU, Tennessee. What are we talking about, man? The quarterback, Jalen Milrow, arguably has been one of the better quarterbacks since he got reinstated into the starting lineup. Making plays with his arm, making plays with his legs. The offensive line has no, has gotten noticeably better. Screw you, Seth. You better get the snaps together because you almost cost us the Iron Bowl. Let's talk about it. I need you to be better because guess what? We're going up against one of the best fronts. I know UGA it doesn't have the defense of old, doesn't have the players of old that you know by name, but guess what? They are coming. Kirby will have these guys ready. And, and we're going to be a little wounded. You know, Jace McClellan isn't playing our best running back. But guess what? Roydell Williams, hey, you got to step up. Jan Miller, you got to step up. Justin Haynes, you got to step up. No, you're too freshman, but you got to step up. Jalen Milrow, you got to be a part of this run game, man. You got to be involved. You got to help. You got to extend plays with your legs. Receivers, you're going to have to get open. You're going to have to make some plays. And I think this game is going to come down to who protects the ball and who has flash plays. Because neither of these teams are going to give you anything, right? We, we've seen this war before. None of these teams are going to lie down. Who's going to be more explosive? Who's going to be more disciplined? Who's going to protect the ball like their lives depended on? That's going to be your SEC champion and the SEC representative in the college football playoff. That's what it comes down to. Georgia's favored by a touchdown, which to me is just mad disrespectful. I mean, I know we ain't Bama of old, right? I know there's been some question marks during the season. I know we got a guy in his first year starting, but you're giving him a touchdown over us? Mm. Mm. We'll see. We shall see. And look, and I don't take this lightly. Look, when this prediction that I'm about to drop on y'all, y'all gonna say, nah, he's just a homer and all this stuff. But y'all gotta realize how I've been picking games this season. And it's usually hasn't been Bama big. It's been Bama making a statement, right? Having a level of domination, right? But still being relatively close, whether it be a seven-point win, 10-point win, 13, I think probably was the highest uh, prediction I've ever made um, during this season. Y'all. Is different. And I don't think it's because Alabama's thinking about the playoffs, right? Like Coach Saban talked about this today. I'm not, he's not thinking about the game. He doesn't want his players thinking about the playoffs. That's not in their control. What they can control is what they do on Saturday. 
And man, I am so pissed. I'm going to miss this game. So all my gums, all my Alabama Crimson Tide folks, look, man, I'm be with y'all in spirit. I'm gonna be on a flight, and hopefully, I am praying that this prediction I laid down is going to be what happens when I look at my phone when I'm in baggage claim. I don't mind if it's a close game as long as we winning and as long as we got the ball and running the timeout. But the more and more I think about this game and who's going to be prepared and what's on the line, I think you're going to see Alabama take it up just another level. I think you're going to see Jalen Milrow take it up just another level. I think you're going to see Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Terion Arnold, uh, Malachi Moore, and those guys take it up just another level. And I think Bama's going to win, and I think Bama's going to win big, similar to what they did in 2021. I think Bama's going to win this game by 17 points. And while to you that might not seem big, in the SEC, that's big because you know the the attrition and the war in the trenches and what that means. I think Alabama's going to jump out early. Might be a little – or I'll say this. I think it will be a close first quarter. I think – Bama's going to give themselves a little bit of a cushion in the second quarter, and I think they're going to try to close the coffin in the third quarter a little bit with a few explosive plays and executing. And then I think um, in a fourth quarter, I think they're we're just going to run the ball. I, I think that fourth quarter, Alabama is going to make a point to say we're going to run the ball. And that's going to include Roydell. That's going to include Jam. That's going to include Justin. That's going to include Jalen. Big four. Four-headed monster. And let's so let's add Kendrick Law in that, who's been using the Debo Samuel role. Let's add him to that. A big five. I think they make a statement. I think they make a statement. I know Coach Saban and the players aren't thinking about the college football playoff, but I guarantee you everybody in the fan base is. And I think Alabama makes this statement. And with this statement, I don't care. I know they jump a minimum of four spots to be one of the four teams in the college football playoff. But I'm so excited. I hate I'm going to miss this game. I'm going to miss some of these games I'm talking about right now. And I even even hate more that I won't be able to talk about my reactions with you all until I get back. But I will be back and we will be having a conversation regardless of what happens, regardless of what happens in championship weekend, regardless of what happens with the college football playoff rankings and what uh, is going to go on with that. We are going to talk about the aftermath, and what to expect during bowl season and looking forward to that. So I will say, man, y'all stay safe out there. Pray for your boy. Pray for the doctor, missus, that we have safe travels, uh, you, know, you know, on our flight, then on our cruise, and that we have safe travels back. Um, can't wait to, to see y'all again and talk some more sports. And so as I say, always say to end the show, if I say anything to offend anybody, it's a good thing. It's an opportunity for me to learn. It's an opportunity for you to teach me. All I ask is that you keep it respectful. Peace.